to God. This is Dr. Ruth. How are you doing today? I trust the Lord you are doing well. So I have a question for you. Have you been blessed by the teachings in this podcast? I trust the Lord that you have been blessed because the word of God never returns void. So would you do me a favor? Would you email us to let us know how these teachings are transforming your lives, what the Lord is doing with these teachings in your life? I would really, really like to hear from you. And it will be a blessing to read about your feedback or testimonies, okay? So here is our email address, info at drruthtanyi.org. Again, it is info I-N-F-O at drruthtanyi.org. I thank you in advance for sending me your feedback as I am really excited to, to hear what the Lord is doing and I look forward to reading your emails and I do read all of the emails. So when you send me an email, I will personally respond. So I really encourage you to email us and let us know how these teachings are transforming your lives. Glory to God. And also, please remember to share this with friends and family and check out our YouTube page, Facebook page, and Instagram. And we also have a bookstore where you can uh, check it out and find other Bible teaching materials right there. So I pray in the name of Jesus that your hearts open to receive God's word today and you will be blessed. Here is the teaching. Welcome to the teaching. Here is Dr. Ruth with more. Already then, praise the Lord. Welcome to today's teaching. We are moving right along here. Today we will cover Leviticus chapters 23 and 24. So let's come to chapter 23. What is the gist of this chapter? Here in Leviticus chapter 23, the Lord will divinely give to Moses to pass along to the Israelites certain feasts for them to celebrate. Okay, and the principle behind these celebrations or the reason the Lord gave these uh, certain festivals for the Israelites to uh, celebrate include, number one, as a remembrance, as a way for the Israelites to remember his faithfulness and to remember his uh, presence in their midst, okay? So they do not forget that it is God who has brought them this far. So they have to always remember. And also, even the book of Proverbs uh, tells us not to forget the goodness of God. And even today, when we forget how good God has been in our lives, we run into problems because we start to get anxious and we worry if we can just keep in the forefront how God is good, how he is always present with us. It will serve as a major antidote against anxiety and fear. So the Lord wanted them to always remember his goodness. Number two, uh, the Lord uh, used this festival of festivals as, as a way to bring the community into, uh, into uh, like a, a corporate fellowship and worship. So as a nation, they should fellowship and to worship him together. And um, number three, to set them apart, okay, as a nation that, that sets aside certain times of the year 
to, to worship their God with much celebration, thanksgiving, and joy. So those were some of the reasons why the Lord gave these instructions for these appointed festivals. So now let's take a look at these festivals. We come to the first one, the Sabbath. I had talked about the Sabbath a lot. So I really recommend you go back and re-listen to the book of Exodus and even Genesis. But just real quick here, look at uh, verse 3. There are six days when you may walk, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. Remember we talked about Sabbath, the principle here, principle of rest, physically to rest your body and spiritually to stay attuned, focused to the Lord. Even though you do that every day, even though the Israelites did this every day, but that one day of the week they were to take, which was Saturday for them, to rest. Just focus on the Lord to do no work and the Lord was going to provide for them financially and strengthen them spiritually. It was also uh, a principle of obedience and trusting the Lord for reasons I had already explained. So we come to the second festival is the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. Remember I talked about this, the Passover, again in the book of Exodus. This was when the death angel passed over the homes of the Israelites and he struck the homes of the Egyptians and all the firstborn were killed. Remember that? And the unleavened bread because God gave instructions to the Israelites to leave out of Egypt in a hurry and they didn't have time to put the uh, leaven into the dough. So the dough was without the leaven. So they left quickly. They left in a hurry. And that uh, living in a hurry symbolizes to us today spiritual obedience. How we should obey God quickly. We should obey God in a hurry. Uh, uh, out of his instructions in the Bible and when he speaks to our heart and uh, whatever he speaks to our heart will be consistent with his revealed word. We have to act quickly. Okay. Also, the unleavened bread I have talked about is throughout. Remember, I said yeast in the Bible symbolizes sin. Okay. So that bread was with, uh, with no yeast and this represents uh, purity of the Israelites, and even uh, symbolically today to us spiritually, we are supposed to maintain purity in our lives and in our uh, transactions and behaviors towards others so we can reflect God's uh, holy standards. So I come to verse 7. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. Verse 8, for seven days present a food offering. So during the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread, they were also supposed to not work. And they were also supposed to uh, provide an offering to the Lord. The food offering is discussed there. And we come to the uh, offering of the first fruit was also part of the celebration that the Israelites were supposed to carry out. 
if you look at verses 9 all the way through verse 14 talks about offering of the first fruit they were supposed to do this as well uh in verse 9 the lord said to moses speak to the israelites and say to them when you enter the land i am going to give you and you reap its harvest bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest the principle here is the same principle the lord had been saying throughout the lord wants the best from us so the lord is saying that when you come into this land that you you're going to go possess when you you uh do your first harvest bring to me the first fruit or the first first harvest of your harvest okay essentially whatever you harvest bring the very first one to me okay because the lord owns the land anyway the lord gave them favor in order for them to reap harvest from that land so all the lord is saying as a uh, as a sign of obedience as a sign of gratitude as a sign of thanksgiving bring to me the very first harvest out of your harvest as a way to say thank you okay that is what all of that is saying and that is still applicable to us today the the application is that when we receive our paychecks we should think about god first God wants the best. This is still the same. We should not give God the last. Some people when they get paid, they don't even think about God. They think about their bills, they think about their nails, they think about their hair, they think about everything else. Then when everything is spent, oh boy, I have to give the church 10 bucks. That is not godly at all. The Lord is saying that when you get paid, mhm. When you reap the harvest out of your field, out of your vegetation, out of your farm, whatever it is, bring me first the first fruit out of that and honor me. Of course, God God still wants us to pay our bills. God still wants us to take care of our families. Of course, God wants us to be responsible, but God is just saying that honor me is a principle, and when we do that, he will honor us back because you can never outgive God. Now with regards to the application for the first fruit giving for us New Testament believers let me talk about this briefly because many people are often confused about how do I approach first fruits briefly think about it this way your first fruit could be your first paycheck of the year If you live in the United States, most people get their first paycheck somewhere between the 1st and the 4th week of January. So if you get your first paycheck in January, that would be your first fruit to the Lord. With regards to the amount you have to decide because we are told uh, in the new testament that god loves a cheerful giver so what i recommend when you get that first paycheck let's say it is $2000 you pray about it you seek god's heart about how you want to bless him back with your first fruit okay if the lord puts in your heart 
to give, say, 25% of that first paycheck in January, then that's what you do. If the Lord puts in your heart to give all of it, your entire paycheck, your entire first paycheck in January as first fruit, then that is what you do. And this first fruit exclude your regular offering. It exclude your regular tithing. It exclude your regular benevolence to the poor. It is above and beyond all of that. Okay, so, so that is how you want to approach that. And if your first paycheck is in February or March, whatever time you are paid first within the given year, make it your first fruit and pray and ask God how much to give to your church, to any God-believing ministry that is fostering the work of God here on the earth. Now, if you do not get paychecks, if let's say you are a farmer and then you have your harvest, the first harvest of the year, that would be considered your first fruits. So you would give back to the Lord how he leads and guides you. So I hope this gives you some perspective on how to approach this whole concept of first fruit. So do we still practice first fruits today? Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, following the simple guidelines I have just explained. I hope that is clear. Okay. So we come to, and then actually, before I even move further here, look at verse 13 towards the end of that. The Lord said a food offering presented to the Lord uh, as a pleasing aroma. So the Lord is saying that uh, when you do all of these things, when you bring to me your first fruit, and then you, along with that, you bring a food offering, I will accept that as a pleasing aroma. We come to the next festival, festival of weeks. That is uh, beginning in verse 15. And um, all the way to verse 22. This is the festivals of weeks involve praising God for the bountiful harvest. That is really, in a nutshell, that is what this, this is really teaching the Israelites that they have to have this festival as a way of, again, thanksgiving, praising the Lord for their abundant harvest out of their uh, harvest or out of their uh, endeavors. So if you look at this festival of weeks, they were to also offer uh, offering of new grain was part of the process there, wave offering that is discussed in verse 17. They were also supposed to do a, a wave offering there. A bond offering was also part of the process in the festivals of week, of weeks rather. Verse 22 says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges. God is just reminding them not to reap the very edges of their land. They should leave that for the poor. Again, the heart of God for the poor. So uh, we come down to the festival of trumpets. Again, this uh, festival, festival of trumpet was used to announce uh, the festivals that were uh, supposed to take place to uh, begin the celebration. Uh, so that is what that is talking about. 
You can come, we come down to verse 26, celebration of the uh, festival or the Day of Atonement. I had just described that in preceding chapters, so you know what the Day of Atonement is. Remember, the day that the high priest was supposed to get into the Holy of Holies to atone for the sins of the entire Israelite community, including his own sin. Here, the Lord is saying that he wants that to be celebrated as well. And um, you can read those verses on your own. We come to verse uh, 33. This is the Festival of Tabernacles. Okay. Verses tw uh, 33 all the way to 43 gives specific instructions as far as the processes of how the uh, Festival of Tabernacles was supposed to take place. And uh, remember that the the Festival of Tabernacles was significant because it was a celebration uh, that really included the entire family. It was a time when the family were to reflect on, on the nature of God, the teachings of the law, the goodness of, of God. They were to reflect on that as a family, as a community. It was a time of rededication of people's lives to the Lord. It was a time of uh, renewal of their commitment to the Lord. So that was uh, the significance of the festival of uh, Tabernacles there. And as part of the festival, they were also supposed to do a uh, food offering with all of these festivals. They were supposed, supposed to have Sabbath rest. They were supposed to do um, uh, offerings to the Lord, animal sacrifice with offering. It was all part of the uh, festivals. Let's, let's take a look at verse 37 there. These are the Lord's uh, appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord, the bond offerings and grain offerings, uh, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. Remember I was saying that all of these festivals involved grain offering, wave offering. That is what that verse is highlighting there. Verse 38, these offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbaths, and uh, you have vowed and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. So the Lord is just saying that all of this is in addition to the, the laws of keeping the Sabbath and all of the sacrifices that go along with the Sabbath. Boy, I'm telling you, don't, aren't you just grateful for Jesus? You know, because all of these feasts, all of these sacrifices, all of these offerings, all this sacrificial system, Jesus fulfilled all of this. We don't have to go through this. A lot of times people take it for granted what Jesus really did for us. This is amazing. To me, just thinking about the fact that each time I want to worship the Lord, I have to offer and sacrifice. I have to go through the priest. I have to do this, do that. This, this was really stressful for the Israelites, I'm sure. But today, we have liberty in Christ. We have freedom in Christ to, 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 to go straight to Christ, to worship God without going through all these sacrifices. Isn't this an awesome thing? Wow, this, this, is, this is awesome. So uh, let's look at 
verse 39. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. Again, more instructions. Uh, you can read those on your own. Come to verse 42. This is really powerful. This, this is, I love this, the way the Lord did this. Verse 42, verse 42, the Lord said, Live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters. Verse 43, so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites lived in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. That is awesome. What the Lord is doing here is, is actually in a way having the Israelites in future generation, okay? Remember, all of these laws are preparing them when they go possess a promised land. The Lord is saying that when you possess a promised land, you keep all these festivals. Even though you're going to possess the promised land, you're going you're gonna to own the properties, you're going to dwell there, you're going to build your homes. During this festival, you guys have to go live in a shelter for a certain amount of time. That way they could remember that the Lord brought them out of Egypt and for a season in their lives, they lived in a shelter before they possessed their own property. Isn't that powerful? That would paint a powerful picture in their souls to always remember what the Lord did to them. Okay, this is powerful. It just goes to show you, show you that memory is so critical in your relationship with the Lord. Because when we forget things that the Lord had done for us, like I was saying earlier, we have a tendency to get into fear and worry. But if we keep it in the forefront, which is why in my own life, every day I reflect on the goodness of God. Before I go to bed, I recount my day and I give God praise and I thank God for carrying me through that day. And when I am facing a difficult day, I always take time to pause to reflect on how God had brought me thus far. It is a powerful stress buffer. And I really recommend you do likewise. When you're going through a hard time, just pause and think about what God has done in your life. There's, there's, there's something in your life that God has done for you. No matter how bad your life may seem, if you are a Christian, at the end of the day, worst case scenario, Jesus has delivered you. Okay, from your fallen nature. Jesus has delivered you from these laws. Jesus has delivered you from yourself. So at the end of the day, God loves you. At the end of the day, if you were to die, you will go into the presence of God. At the end of the day, God is for you. If you just pause and meditate on the goodness of God, I guarantee you it's a powerful buffer against fear, worry, anxiety, and all sorts of problems. This is what the Lord was telling these people. Have these festivals. Remember what I've done for you. Celebrate it. That way, in times of hardships, in times of difficulties, you will remember that I am a good God. And this applies to us today. All right? Okay, so I come to chapter 24. Chapter 24 is uh, going to... Talk about the olive oil and the bread set before the Lord in the tabernacle and 
the Lord would give specific instructions how to care for that. Let's take a look at the first few uh, verses here. The Lord said to Moses, I am in verse 2, command the Israelites to bring you clear uh, oil of pressed olives for the light so that the lambs may not... No, sorry, let me read that again. Verse 2, command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning continually. Verse 3, outside the curtain that shields the ark of the covenant law in the tent of meeting. Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning continually. Now, we had talked about this before in Exodus um Chapter 27, you can go back and re-listen to that. Remember, that continuous uh, lamp was supposed to reflect the continuous presence of Christ, okay? In the midst of the Israelites, it was supposed to burn continuously to reflect uh, the, the light of uh, Christ. And in verse 4, the lamps... Um, were made of pure gold, placed on a pure gold lampstand. Boy, we serve a God of a quality, all right? And uh, so verse 5, God asked uh, Moses to, tell, uh, to take the finest flour and bake 12 loaves of bread using two-tenths of Ipa for each loaf. He's giving Moses instructions about the bread now. For the finest flour, okay, God wants, wants the, uh, the best. And um, verse 6, arrange them in two stacks, six in each stack on the table of pure gold before the Lord. Wow, instructions how to be organized. <laughs> verse 7, uh, by each stack put some pure incense as a memorial portion to represent the bread and to be a food offering presented to the Lord. Remember, we talked about this before. This bread is a presence of who? Jesus Christ. Okay, remember we talked about this, that in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is our bread. He is our living food, spiritually. So all of this uh, oil and this bread really symbolized the presence of Christ in the midst of the Israelites. In verse 8, this uh, bread is to be set out before the Lord, Sabbath after Sabbath, on behalf of the Israelites as a lasting covenant. Okay, so um, the Lord went on to say that that is holy to the Lord and uh, that the, the rest of those verses just went on to talk about how it belongs to Aaron and his sons. They are the only ones who were to eat food out of the sanctuary. You already know, know that. So the, the highlight here is that, that, that the lamps that were placed on that pure gold lampstand and the bread representing the presence of Christ. We talked about that uh, already in the book of Exodus. Now, let's look at uh, verses 10 all the way to verse 23. That will bring us to the end of uh, chapter 24. Interesting here how uh, a blasphemer, somebody who blasphemed the name of the Lord was put to death. Let's take a closer look at verse 10. Now the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father went out among the Israelites and a fight broke out in the camp between, between them, essentially. 
verse 11. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name, that is the name of the Lord, with a curse. So they brought him to Moses. Remember, God had given instructions not to blaspheme his name. So this guy went ahead and did it anyway. But the Lord would set an example. So what happened? They brought him to Moses. Verse 12. They put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. So Moses took him, put him in a separation, sought the will of the Lord, what to do with this guy. I really like this because even though the Lord had explained in his law that people should not do this and he had explained the consequences, Moses knew that, but Moses still patiently waited to hear clearly from the Lord. And then the Lord responded in verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head and the entire assembly is to stone him. So what's happening here is that the Lord is saying, all the people who heard him blaspheme my name, who cursed me, have them lay their hands on this blasphemer and then stone him to death. You know what? Let's talk about this for a minute. This punishment seems severe, but you remember God is holy. God is just. Okay, sin, disobedience have consequences. So God had just given the law and somebody went out and disobeyed it. God had to set a precedence. And, and there is also something the Lord is teaching us here. In the rest of the verses, the Lord went on to say, Look at verse 15. Say to the Israelites, anyone who curses their God will, will be held responsible. Verse 16. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone him or stone them, whether foreigner or native born. So the Lord is saying that anyone who does this just like this blasphemer, this is the punishment you're going to receive. Okay, so the Lord had to set that example for copycats, okay? So they, they uh, saw that they could not mess around with the name of the Lord. So we come to verse 17 all the way to verse 23. The Lord is uh, setting the precedence for capital punishment. Verse 17, anyone who takes the life of a human being is to be put to death. Uh, giving instructions to the Israelites. Uh, anyone who takes the life of uh, an animal must pay restitution. Uh, verse 19 uh, gives instructions or uh, punishment for uh, injuries uh, brought uh, upon your neighbor. Verse 20, you will pay fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. All of these uh, principles are highlighting God's justice as he expressed them in the Old Testament. If you kill somebody, you yourself will be killed. If you, um, if you hurt somebody, you yourself will be hurt. That is what all of that is uh, saying. And you know what? Morally, society still holds a lot of these laws applicable today. A lot of, uh, at least in the U.S., a lot of states have the death penalty. If you kill somebody intentionally, premeditation... If you premeditated and you plotted to kill somebody, they're going to kill you too. So this is where some of those moral laws uh, came, came from.
that some some uh, countries still uphold uh, today. And um, verse 22 says that uh, these laws are also uh, applicable to a foreigner who is uh, living among the uh, the Israelites. And then in verse 23, Moses spoke to the Israelites and they took the blasphemer and killed him. We already uh, went over that. So that brings us to the end of that chapter. Okay, so that brings us to the major principles and application that we have learned from Leviticus uh, chapters 23 and 24. So what are the major principles? I have three major principles. Principle number one, memory. The importance of memory in regards to our relationship with the Lord. And we learned this as the Lord reiterated all the festivals for the Israelites to celebrate. And I had explained how these festivals was a way to give thanks to the Lord and to bring into remembrance his goodness and his provisions and his blessings in their lives. This is still applicable to us today. Second major principle here is that of disobedience and consequences. We learned that from the blasphemer who vehemently rejected God's ordinances not to blaspheme his name, he went out and blasphemed the name of the Lord anyway, and he paid the ultimate uh, price with his life. So God is still ticked off when we do not obey his decrees. And there are consequences to our actions, negatively or positively. We decide. Okay. And the third major principle here is that of giving, which I have explained over and over and over. <laughs> and by now, some of you may be thinking that I keep talking about giving because I want your money. No, that is not the reason. It is a principle of God. It's a teaching that we as uh, Bible teachers have to reiterate that giving to the Lord is something that he takes seriously. And by giving, that is how he is able to uh, use us to uh, bring his kingdom to many others here on the earth. So without uh, talking much about that principle, God is still after a cheerful giver. God is still after his children who are willing uh, to obey him and give to his work. So that is a principle here. Now we come to the major application. This is obvious, okay? I talked about memory and the direct application to us is meditation. Meditating on the word of God. And by meditation, I'm not talking about a casual studying or reading of the Bible. I'm talking about opening your Bible, pondering on the truths found in God's word, and just thinking about those truths over and over and over, over a prolonged period of time. And as you're doing that, those truths would be rooted in your soul and they would plant a solid memory of God's truths in your soul. That way you would not forget. Because your memory of, of the blessings of God in your life is crucial. Like I said earlier, it serves as an antidote against fear, against worry. Okay, if you can just 
pause each time you're having a, a, a bad day and just reflect, call upon your memory, just reflect the goodness of God in your life. Remind yourself of the times that God had delivered you in the past. Remind yourself of the precious blood of Jesus Christ that has redeemed you, delivered you from the hands of the evil one. Pause and remind yourself of, of the blessings of the Holy Spirit and, he, and his work in your life. If you use your memory that way to remind yourself of God's presence in your life, it is a powerful buffer against the lies, deception from the enemy, and against fear and worry. So memory is crucial. Okay, again, the best way to do that is to meditate on scriptures. Let the truths of God's word take deep root into your souls. And the second major application, we talked about first fruit. I talked about that. I'm not going to uh, emphasize that a lot. But the key here is that the teaching of first fruit is still applicable today. As I mentioned earlier, it could be your first uh, paycheck in January. And as you are led by the Lord, you give a certain amount to your church or to another Christ-centered ministry so that the work of God on the earth can be fostered. If you are a farmer, it could be your first harvest of the year. So, yes, we still partake in the principle of first fruit above and beyond our regular offering to the, to the Lord through our churches and through other ministries and above and beyond our regular tithing. And then the last major application is that God loves a cheerful giver. He will not impose an amount for you to give. You have to just pray and seek his counsel. And as you are led by the Lord, give. Do not be afraid to give to the Lord. You can never, never outgive God. Whatever you give to him, guarantee. He will give it right back to you above and beyond. And your faith and trust in him, okay, as your provider will be strengthened. Okay, so I hope you receive these applications and you can put them in practice. Father God, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for all the listeners today. I just pray for your continuous blessings in their lives today. I pray for your continuous provision in their lives as you guide and lead them, Father God. I am just believing you that you will teach them these truths and your Holy Spirit will reveal more truths to them and give them the practical application on how to apply these truths into their personal lives and walk by faith and to see godly results. Because I believe that your children want to please you. So we are dependent upon your Holy Spirit to strengthen us how to live righteous lives pleasing unto you. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our friend, and our Savior. And everybody says, Amen. Before we go, I want to remind you to visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I.org. And check out our event page and sign up for one or all of our upcoming events. While there, remember to subscribe to Dr. Ruth's monthly Bible teaching e-newsletters so you can start receiving more life-changing teachings. If Dr. Ruth's teachings are a blessing to you, we would like to know that. So would you please send us an email and let us know? Here is our email address, info at 
tanya.org. That's I-N-F-O at D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. You can also find Dr. Ruth's simple and practical teachings on YouTube. Just search for Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch Dr. Ruth's Bible teaching videos at your convenience 24-7. Remember to click the notification bell on YouTube after you subscribe. That way, you will receive alerts when we upload more Bible teachings. I am Chris Horam, and may God's abundant blessings chase you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.